This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, everyone. Nora Jerry Scott this week? No. She's gone to Europe. She has. How forward thinking of her. She is. Anyway, we shall do the news first. Then, myself and Steve are going to have a chat about um, the Scream team, as you dubbed them, Steve. Yep. This is uh, Rhys Mogg and his cohorts and the return of Mogmentum. And then we'll do Brexiteer of the Week, as always, of course. Um, But first, Steve, regional impact statements. Yes. We have them. Now we know why why they didn't want anyone to see them. Yeah. They're um, not great, are they? They're not really. And it seems that most of the places that are hard and Brexit-y are going to be hit hard by Brexit. That's right. Um, Shall we start with the good news? Yeah. If If you've got a business in London, you will... What will what will happen to you? If you've got a business on, you will not feel as big an impact as everyone else. I think no. the figures for uh, for London are: if if we retained the single market, there would be a hit of one percent. Yeah. If we uh, if we then look at the northeast, it's three percent. Yes, that's and right. that's a very best case scenario. If we look at No Deal for the northeast, yeah. If we look 16, at No Deal for London, it's it's. Your your economy is going to contract by three and a half percent. Yeah, northeast sixteen percent. Yeah, I mean it's disastrous, isn't it? Northern Ireland, and uh, who didn't vote for this, twelve percent. Scotland, yeah. who didn't vote for this, nine percent. Wales, who did vote for this, nine and a half percent. And what does John Edwards say? Does he say it's a price well worth paying? <laughs> he just said it's nonsense. Did he? 
I mean, it's extraordinary this because these are reports put together on the um, on the orders of government by Whitehall, and yet because they're not saying the things the Brexiteers want them to say, they yes. seem to be just disregarding them. That's right. Uh, yet they <laughs> I just don't know what to say well, really about it. It's extraordinary. Yeah, when there is when there is analysis which be- which appears to benefit. The, the Brexiteers mm. or, or sustain that they're quite eager to, to spread that, aren't they? Let me t- let me tell you what the government spokesman said. I okay. like I like this. Yeah, go on. So put when when these um, when these figures came out, the government spokesman said, "This document does not represent government policy." What would be the policy that it would represent to, to yeah. hurt <laughs> all these regions? the economy? It uh, does not consider the outcome we are seeking in the negotiations. I think that that is clear. Obviously, yes. I hope that the negotiating team wants to get the very best deal, which will not have any of these disastrous outcomes. No. But what we do have here is a prediction, a forecast, and we need to be taking it very, very seriously because some of the areas included here, uh, like the North East, for example, they're the most fragile, some of the most fragile areas economically in the country already. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's also this stuff that Sky have got, isn't there? Yeah, this um, is really interesting. This you, you you go ahead. So Sky have got um, estimates of Sky News have got estimates of um, the impact. What, what the impact they think would be on uh, a, a, of having a, a tariff barriers, non-tariff barriers rather. So all the extra red tape, all the customs stuff, all of that kind of stuff yeah. are on different economic sectors. I presume that these are from the same. Um, from the same source, and, <clears throat> and so the motor industry is is facing a cost increase of between five percent to thirteen percent, and also a very big employer in the northeast. Well, exactly, retail uh, and wholesale going up between seven percent and twenty percent, and and services, which we already know is going to be mortally wounded mm-hmm. um, because um, because there won't be any deal on um, on on. On services, there'll be you know there'll be some kind of deal on goods we think, but there won't be a deal on services, um, whatever Theresa May thinks. Uh, the cost of that is going to uh, is going to increase between five and ten percent. So it's really damaging, isn't it? There's no there's no good news. There is no good news. Um, I'm afraid from from that s- statement. I I, I guess if you, that... if you if you downloaded this podcast to be cheered up <laughs> it's it's not the right week I'm afraid. well we'll try and get to there by the end but yeah, I mean I, I guess that I'm I guess that I'm pleased that finally this stuff is getting out there yes because as I said last week when we had the the, the sort of national figures the, the not so drilled down figures mm. it does feel a little bit like a turning point and I think that these have been widely reported I think that um, soft levers will start to properly understand what a, what a mess we are in here and, yes. and and start to think maybe we should think again or at least have another chance to think again because well I hope so but 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 then you know in many ways the the, the campaign the sort of swift voting of well even the naming of project fear as project fear when yeah. really the real project fear was clearly Nigel Farage with his Disgraceful breaking point. Uh, yes. Um, uh, poster, but the, the the swift boating of, of the of the you know those economic forecasts and and clearly some of the things that George Osborne was predicting have, have failed to come true. We didn't have an immediate. Uh, we were we haven't been plunged into an immediate recession, no, and no. some of you know some things have been more robust. 
Um, so, so you know, harder remainers, sorry, harder leavers are are going to take this with a with a pinch of salt. And it was really telling when the when the the national um, the national figures were released last week and Sky. Uh, we're in some northeastern outpost, mm. knocking on people's doors, and um, you know the the message from people who had voted to leave was very much, "I don't care what it costs; I just want us to get on with it." Yeah, and that to me is is you know really worrying. There is a a real Brexit fatigue, I think, which is which is causing a lot of people who you might have thought would have another thing to just yeah. turn off and go, "Let's just get on with it. Let's just do it for a few years. Let's see what happens." So, so we need. A bespoke deal. We do need a bespoke which deal. Will, which will negate the terrible yes. losses to this country. Yes, free unicorns. So, <laughs> what do you reckon? How, what, what on earth does that mean? What? The word bespoke is banded around these days. Everything's bespoke, isn't it? It is bespoke, yeah. Is that bespoke suit you're wearing? Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, naturally, every day. Um, yes. I don't really know what it does mean. I mean For this deal, I mean, clearly it's... It's got to be bespoke, hasn't it, in, in some respect? So, according to, to Michelle Barnier's lovely little graph... Yeah, it um, is useful, that graph. Which is useful, which is in wide circulation. We've published it in the New European a couple of times now, but it's in wide circulation online. Um, so the only thing bespoke about our deal is that it will have Canada crossed out yeah. and Great Britain and Northern Ireland written on in crayon. yes. It, yes. That's the only bespoke deal we're going to get. We're going to get the, the bottom of the barrel deal, the same deal that, 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 that Canada have got. Do you know what? If if Theresa May and her negotiating team pull this off, yeah, I will happily come on this pod and say, "Well done, well done, Theresa." Because May. Because it will be one of the most incredible feats in political history, not just British political history, in all political history. It will be, yeah. If they can make this work. I will happily hold my hands up and say I was wrong. I just it, the the facts are just piling up and piling up. Yeah, I just can't. Do you want see. to know my impact assessment prediction? Yes, for, for, I do. For what's going to happen? As soon as this came out, I thought I want to know Steve. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to write it down here, and you're allowed to look at it, but you can't broadcast <laughs> it. I'm going to say that you won't have to apologise. <laughs> it's not going to. It isn't going to happen, is it? There'll be some. I'm sure there'll be some fudge to say it is a special bespoke deal, but essentially yeah. it will be exactly the same as the EU's deal with Canada, because uh, we've uh, ruled out anything else. A fudge at this stage sounds like not a bad Some not fudge bad. sounds nice, yeah. Oh, finger yeah, of fudge. Yeah. Just enough. It's just enough until it's time to eat. Um, talking about uh, chatting amongst yourselves yeah. and then writing something down but not telling anyone. Yes. Being ambiguous. Yes. The meeting. The war cabinet. The war cabinet. Yeah. They went to war. They um, did. Well, amongst themselves, supposedly. Robust exchanges. Yes. And people living up to their stereotypes. I can't imagine what that is. So what was for. that? What was what did that mean? Was was Boris chatting Karen Bradley up? She's new on the war she committee. Is, yeah. Um maybe. Tribes. Yeah. I've seen you here before. Yeah, cover the fireplace, here comes Gavin. <laughs> There he is. <laughs> Romancing by the flames as they weeping into, this, weeping into the fireplace. <laughs> um, um, so yeah. this, but they, so the, but they, they, they're, t- they're chatting about this, but they're not really going to tell anyone. No. And the ambiguity for business seems to continue, and this is a concern for business, uh, a growing concern. Yes. 
which both Amber Rudd this week and um, Greg Clark sort of said, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, but uh, didn't suggest they were going to do very much about it. No. I, I, I saw <coughs> that in some cases people were saying that it wasn't right that Karen uh, Bradley had been added to this this meeting um, because it, it sort of tipped the balance of, of who was in the meeting back towards... Remain. Remain, and yeah. led by, you know, yeah. Hammond, who is the sort of Sergeant Wilson of Brexit, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> yeah. just, just calm down, stop being silly, everyone. Um, <laughs> in, in, in that sort of Dad's Army scenario, he's very much uh, Uncle Arthur, isn't he? He is. Um, and, um, but, I mean, she is, she is the Northern Ireland Secretary. It's fairly important. It's quite important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a remarkably specious argument. I I'd love to be, um, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in these meetings. Yes. Do you, I, I mean, because we've, we've hinted at what Boris and, and Gavin might be up to, but can you... Do you think that the Remainers sit on one side of the table and the and the Leavers sit on the other, or do you think they do leave Remain, leave Remain? I think it's leave Remain. That'd be like great, wouldn't it? Like at a dinner party. Yeah, and and then maybe do they do they sort of swap round so you get to meet someone else? It'd be good if they did musical chairs. <laughs> I bet you know who with that gove, that sneaky little. F- do you reckon? I, yeah. Do you reckon he'd be good at musical chairs? Yeah, very much so. He'd cheat as well, wouldn't he? He'd sit down before. He'd be like going dead the slow. Mean, he'd be going really <laughs> slow. He'd only keep a chair. Then he'd so run. He'd probably take a chair with him, wouldn't he? He's quite slight as well, he though, is isn't slight, he? So he could yeah. nip in there. He could, yeah. But you wouldn't want to nip in there just as Boris is sitting down. Oh, cripes, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure that lots more will, will leak out on the war cabinets in the coming days. Um, um, yes. But but they're not going to decide anything yet, though, are they? I think they ju- I, it just seems like a merry get together, doesn't like, it? It seems like a, a sort of a First World War cabinet led by General <laughs> Melcher, doesn't it? It's, it's you know, it, oh. it seems. Surely, you have, when you have a war cabinet, you decide something in it. You'd hope so. Yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see. I mean, I think probably they. They're probably still arguing about the sandwiches, aren't they? Possibly. Well, I mean, the thing is that this is, as we talked about at length last week, these are dangerous times for for Theresa May. And I imagine that the, the Brexiteers will be chatting afterwards amongst themselves as well. Yes. Now, last week we were talking about potential ministers who may quit to mm. try and try and prompts and the Mail on Sunday did a big piece on Ben Wallace at the weekend. Yes. Um, Tobias Elwood is the other what name. Shocking. What sh- I mean, these are household names, aren't they? Yeah, they're well... Not, they're not household names. They're not even household names in their own <coughs> households, are they, well, to, as the old saying goes. Tobias Elwood was the name that I'd heard last week. There are some other names flying around, but, but those were sort of the two. Yeah. Are these, the, these are the senior cabinet figures that are, are ready to walk out, are they? Are you suggesting they're not that senior? Well, this is very similar to when, or would be, I imagine, very similar to when Tom Watson oh, yes. did one and, and managed to force Blair to at least yes. put a date on when, when he would leave on yes. behalf of Brown. But, I mean, I think that if, if one of those did, did quit and it was because of you're trying to you know, slip us towards a softer Brexit, mm. I, I think that, that it would be coordinated and you'd have to think that... Yes. So those are the ministers most likely at this point, right. and I, so I imagine after the after the war cabinets, they you know the the Brexiteers are chatting. I but know that is not those are those are not names that are likely to bring Theresa May to her knees immediately, are they? 
depends what it depends what happens then, doesn't it? With, Clearly, with Boris it needs somebody guys. to come out in sim- a big hitter to come out in sympathy. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and and I guess that would be the plan if it was going to happen. Yeah, but you don't want to see be seen though as the the direct knifer, though, do you? Well, it depends what you've been promised. If you know, I mean, that's what Tom Watson was. Well, you yeah. know, got a big job, didn't he, when Brown that's, came? In. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and it, yes, that is very true. Um, but, but I mean, rather than rather than uh, Elwood and Wallace, I mean, you don't want to be you don't want to be Boris Johnson storming out of the cabinet and saying, "I can't work without." Who ben knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> right hand men. It seems like a quite a bizarre hill to die on. But of course, uh, Tobias. I was saying Tobias Elwood, it's good, isn't it? Tobias Elwood. He works very closely with uh, certain Mr Williamson. Oh, spider. Because they're in in the uh, Ministry of Defence. Imagine that, like the horse's head in the bed. (laughs) That'd be good, wouldn't it? Or or James Bond in Live and Let Die. Wakes wakes up and there's a... Theresa May wakes up and there's a spider on a pillow. Oh, wow, yes, that would be good. Crawling over Philip's face. Oh, Yes, I do like Philip. He seems. I like his glasses. He's, I like the way he sort of looks a bit like he's got a slight air of Charles Hawtrey about him, hasn't he? Or a, yeah. or in like a nineteen forties footballer. I saw him um, at an event where obviously his wife was the main draw rather yes. than rather than he was. But lots of people came up and chatted to him, and he was very polite and pleasant to every single one of them. What do we know about him other than that he's? Got a lot of big in the city, wasn't he? Yeah, very big in the city. Married to Theresa May. Married to Theresa May, but in a, is, puts is the bins a, out. Is he a Dennis Thatcher type figure? Do we think? Or yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You don't, don't really. I'd like to get to know him. Yeah, I'd like to get to know you well. I might. I might see. If you, I might go call for him. Should we, <laughs> should we call around? See if he can no. come out. <laughs> Philip come out to play with us. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Let's do that. Excellent. Let's do that. Yeah, all right, we'll do that. Okay, we'll um, put that on the list. Yeah, so so anything could happen. Whoa, how exciting. Oh, I tell you it what, can we just mention Best for Britain? Oh, yeah. What, the, Did you see the Telegraph splash? Are they the shadowy organisation that's going to bring down the UK? Very strange. Financed this. by George Soros. Very strange indeed. Why, why the Telegraph splashed it at all, I have no idea. It was hardly a big secret. No, exactly. And... It was written by Nick Timothy. Yeah, I mean, I, I I really loved this. So Nick Timothy, obviously, as as you will remember, it was the he was Theresa May's joint chief of staff, wasn't he? Was he his... was one of the main reasons that Jeremy Corbyn did so well yeah. last night. He masterminded, along with his partner in crime, Fiona Hill, the Tories' disastrous election campaign. Um, and in Thursday's Daily Telegraph, he he says that. Best for Britain wants to bring down Theresa May's government. Now, clearly, the, the people who've come closest to bringing down Theresa May's <laughs> government are Nick Timothy and Fiona Hill. The other thing is, though... Worst for Britain. I, I, I don't think that that's so shocking. I mean, Best for Britain don't want Brexit. Yeah. So, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I also am very annoyed as a journalist who trained yeah. and have worked very hard that someone who isn't a journalist... Is Gets a front page byline on the Telegraph. I have no byline. idea what the Telegraph are thinking of. It's a rubbish splash. It isn't a great. Uh, it isn't a great splash. Is so it? I, I thought we should just mention it in support of. Yeah, um, and um, 
you know, this whole George Soros thing, he is clearly a, a some kind of hate figure, a demonised figure, isn't he, for the alt-right. Oh, yeah. He's a, a, a global capitalist, which they don't like. I hate that. He's also Jewish, isn't he, which he I would is. guess they don't like. He is, And yeah. I don't think there's any... I don't think there's any hint of that. There is certainly there is no hint of that in the, in this Telegraph story, but it does play to a very nasty crowd. It does rather. It does. It leaves a bad taste. Yeah. Two two bits of good stuff, which I think we should mention. Yes. Um, and then I just want to mention Labour very quickly. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Good. It's good that you're not going to mention Labour because they didn't think to mention Brexit <laughs> at PMQs, did they? I'll get to that. Okay. Good. Nicky Morgan. Um, Treasury Select Committee, yeah. flexing her muscles a bit. We're, we're a fan of Nikki, aren't we? Yeah. She said, nothing undermines a negotiating position more than not having one. <laughs> Brilliant. Back in the knife drawer with sharp. Biting That's good, stuff. isn't it? Um, and, um, and then Dominic Grieve as well, another hero. He, he, he's talking about the, the immense damage that Brexit is doing to the, to the Tories. He, he, you know, he, he was talking about um, them falling apart and this. I, I mean, but this has been go- this has been an open wound for a long time. But he, he was asked on Newsnight, I don't know if you saw it, if the Tory Party could survive Brexit. Wow, I know. And he said, all he could say is, "I very much hope so." Wow. So, <clears throat> so there we go. Um, interesting times for that that wing of the Tory Party, certainly, and all wings, I think. Uh, but also another divided party, Labour. Yes. They just seem to be asleep on this one. The Tories are in a massive state, a massive mess. Yeah. We've got predictions saying that we're all going to be super poor, probably like this will be post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Never mind post-Brexit. Yeah. I mean, the things that Jeremy Corbyn chose to talk about at PMQs are all worthy things. Yes, and, yes. And, you know, I'm not, I mean, no... <clears throat> I mean, no way demeaning any of those. Last two weeks, it's been health and crime. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, those are you know those are huge topics which affect ordinary people every day. But, but both of those things are going to probably be affected by well Brexit very much. So, certainly certainly, the health certainly service. the health service, as we know. But again, you know, we know why the why Labour are doing this. Um, so I spoke to one very senior yeah. Labour um, source this week. Yeah, who Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Is this no. how it works? If, can I just guess? John friends of Jeremy Corbyn said... <laughs> friends of, friends <laughs> a source of. close to... No, you can't guess. It was neither of those two, though. No, OK. And said source was saying, we're just going to give them loads of rope. Yeah. See what happens. Well, it's a strategy. It's a very... It's a very dodgy strategy. Well, I like the strategy, and I've mentioned this before on the pod, that the uh, opposition under Tony Blair took, which was... Yeah. When the government makes a mess of something, you go at them, yeah. hammer and tongs, for the rest of forever. Absolutely. It seemed to work for them. Um, I, I think it, really what it all comes down to is that Labour still have not got it straight with themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, what they're doing about Brexit. But I totally agree with that uh, strategy that you mentioned. James Carville, who ran, um, uh, who ran the Clinton's uh, win against, uh, against George Bush, Senior, and I think he was involved in both Clinton wins, wasn't he? Um, he? He always said, "If you, you know, if you see your enemy in a in a and their boat is leaking, you throw them an anchor." Yeah, yeah, you know, just Absolutely. weigh them down on this. Absolutely. And, and look, the the it's four and a half years till the next election, which is a really depressing thought, isn't it? But 
Look well. at the polls. <laughs> Look at the polls this week. I know. You know. I know. Two polls tied. One poll with Labour with a one-point lead, and now a, a there's a YouGov poll out today. Exactly, yeah. and it's and it's a, a three or four-point Conservative lead, isn't it? There's and got the, to the be some. The salvation poll has, has, has narrowed. There's got to be some concern for Labour that this bubble is, if not burst, bursting. Yes, and I think that some of that is down to the young people who I know there wasn't this youth swell, but young people who who backed backed Corbyn now. Being thrown with all this this Brexit stuff and not quite knowing where he's at with it. Yeah, exactly. And that was another quite chilling poll as well, wasn't it? For for it made bad reading for Labour. The I think it was the YouGov poll which sort of put the two scenarios: if Labour uh, support the support Brexit in yeah. a way, yeah. how would you vote? It was a narrow. I think it was level, wasn't it? Or yeah, it narrow had... or a level or a slight conserv- one point conservative lead. And and then how would you vote if Labour didn't? And it showed. It basically showed that Labour has stand to lose thirty nine percent of the youth vote mm. if they don't uh, back Remain. Yeah, yeah. They've got some very difficult. Well, they haven't got a difficult decision in my opinion yeah. to make. But it seems for the leadership, they're going to have. They're going to have to. Um, address this at some point. What about the um, what about the idea which is floated in the New European newspaper this week by Andrew Adonis, um, who I always want to call Andrew Adonis. Don't know why. It's nice, isn't it? Um, he has floated the idea, and actually a letter writer yeah. floated the idea as yeah, well yeah. Yeah. that Labour should have its own referendum. A well, one I think person, it's a... one supporter or member <laughs> per vote. I think it's a really good idea, actually. I think it's a really, really good idea. 600,000 votes, that's a fairly big sample. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a really good idea. And then decide from there. And if most people, you know, people who are affiliated via the trade unions say, no, carry on with what you're doing at the moment, Yeah, yeah. you know, then then fine. It'd be very interesting to to see. It'd be really interesting. It would be. I think Mm. the the leader, the the, the letter writer, rather than than Andrew Adonis, um, sort of says, Len McCluskey should start banging this drum, and I think that is... An interesting well, idea. Yeah, and one floated by this very newspaper and pod um, at the beginning of the year. Exactly. Okay, let's talk next about Jacob Rees-Mogg. Why not? Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858... 438840 and quoting podcast one or order online at our website uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to the New European. Welcome back. So there's lots of talk about the dream team. The dream team. The Brexity dream team. Yes. Rhys Mogg. Chancellor of the Exchequer. Boris Johnson. Prime Minister. Michael Gove. He's the sort of Tom Hayden figure in The Godfather, isn't he? The consigliere. What's what role is he going to get? I don't know. Home sec? Yeah, I would have thought so. Would have thought so. Yeah. Um, well, sounds like a nightmare, doesn't it? Yeah, it is a nightmare team, isn't it? I mean, we've spoken endlessly about Michael Gove and Boris Johnson. Yes. We have touched on Rhys Mogg. He seemed to go away for a bit, didn't he? He was everywhere at conference. Seemed to sort of yes. go away. But now as the now as the new chairman of the European Research Group, he summoned all his minions together on Monday afternoon for a secret meeting. Did he? Yeah. 
<gasps> a secret meeting. Who, fund, who funds the European Research Group? Oh, interesting. It'd be interesting. George Soros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the anti-George Soros. Um, I don't think it needs much funding. No. Um, so who knows what they spoke about? But I imagine Brexity things. I would have thought so. Secret Brexity things. All foreigners awful. Yeah. That kind of thing. I mean, what are your thoughts on Jacob Rees-Mogg? I think he is a uh, very dangerous figure. Uh, I think his um, views on a wide range of subjects are, um, you know, I think they're, they're, they're just anathema to a wide voting public. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is um, consistently wrong about this. I think he is a. Uh, I think he's sneaky. I think he he emerges on these weekend shows to um, praise the prime minister, say she's doing a wonderful job. Amen, hallelujah, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, the, and then the the next day he's quoted somewhere saying that everything the prime minister is doing is useless. Yeah. Um, I think the way he's treated Philip Hammond is. Disgraceful mm-hmm. uh, for, for somebody who's in his own party. Mm. Uh, I think his his um, well his, his predictions make his his father's predictions, which were widely lampooned in private eye, weren't they? Mystic Mog, they used to yeah, call yeah. it. Um, that they make him look like he, he's a, a, a shrewd assessor. Um, I, I've not really got very much time for Jacob Rees Mogg, and again tell. he denies that he's. You know that he's launching any sort of covert campaign for yeah, yeah. influence. Yeah. yeah, he marches up and down the country. You know what did I, I, what did he expect when he went to that university? Oh, he I clear, know. He clearly expected yeah, yeah, yeah. what he got, um, and, uh, and and made political capital out of it. And the other day, you know, there he he, he pops up the other day hilariously at, at the press association in London, mm. making a speech to. Um, to, to young trainee journalists, and there's a fantastic photo of this, which again, I think it's on the, the, the I think it's on Act PA, isn't it? Um, the Press Association's Twitter, but I'm sure you can see it elsewhere on the on uh, on the internet uh, of him speaking to the, this group of young people. There's a woman with her head in her hands. <laughs> there's uh, a couple of guys are just staring him out with Paddington <laughs> Bear hard stare, uh, and there's the rest of them just look completely bored and mystified at what this Victorian undertaker has possibly got to say of any importance whatsoever. Yeah, um, and we. We find out in the New European this week from Michael White that he's a bit of a faux Aristo. Which yes, I, which I quite yeah, it's quite well, well worth a read. That he is, uh, he is almost in the classic um, the classic phrase, a man who bought his own furniture. Yeah, uh, he looks like a man who had bought his own furniture as Alan Clark instead of, of, uh, of uh, Kenneth Clark, I think. Um, but he's fun, isn't he? He's comedy. He's been on Have I Got News For You. People love character politicians. Well, they do, yeah. But this is how this we get harmless. Boris. This is how we get Boris Johnson, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and this is how America got Trump. Yeah. I think what's interesting about the positioning of him as here's, here's a man who, you know, famously had a, you know, wrapped up a, a huge uh, win on stocks and shares when he was 12 or whatever it was. Yeah. And then went on to work for um, a, a hedge fund is what, um, the, the, there was a really interesting Financial Times analysis, I think it was the FT, of his 
dealings as, uh, when he was in charge of this, which found that he was actually not a very good investor. He was mm. he was very very cautious mm. um, and failed to capitalise on rising markets. And the success that he did have was generally because you know the market was going up anyway. Yeah. And in the last year, he actually did very poorly, but he, he underperformed the what the market was doing in virtually every year. Right. So he's ideal as a chancellor. It, but he sounds perfect. Well, he does, yeah. There if I was Michael Gove, I would like the dream, this dream team, though, because, you know, clearly you could manipulate those two. They don't look to be, to be people who are renowned for a tremendous amount of hard work, where Michael Gove, for all his faults, we know, is, is a... You know, he's a political animal and yeah. he is a worker. And he's very bright. Yes, he is. Yeah, but uh, there is, you know, we heard it at conference, I still hear it, there is a belief among some Tory MPs, but also among lots of Tory activists, though, that you need a character to go up against... Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn. And... Well, the only one that they what about had the Chuckle Brothers in or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> to me. To me, to you. The only the Chuckle Brothers, by the way, how they never had a primetime show. It's 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 mystifying, isn't the, it? How why were they never picked up? I'm completely serious. Chuckle yeah. Vision was hilarious. Yeah. So Anyway. The dream team. Yeah. So, but there's still there's still this belief within a lot of for a lot of Tories. That they need a character, and that character needs to be Boris or Jacob yeah, Rees-Mogg. Exactly. I think the thinking of trying to get Mogg on board by Boris and Gove potentially is to stop Rees-Mogg yes. throwing his hat into the ring against Boris. Well, it could be, yeah. But I, do we really think that anybody is going to vote for Rees-Mogg in a leadership election? I and don't do know. Really, I know some people who would. And do we really think that... But I'm people, not sure he could win it now. Do we really think that people in those leave areas, in the North East, the people that Sky yes. talked to the other yeah, day, yeah, would, yeah. would ever vote for somebody who looks and talks like Jacob Rees-Mogg? Quite possibly not. I think not. The other big problem they've got with, with Mogg yeah. is, and the Tories have got more widely, and I, I spoke to uh, Brandon Lewis, the new chairman, recently about this, and that is... Getting the young vote. I yeah. mean, it's it's always been a, an issue for the for the Tories because young people like to are often opposed to the party of establishment. But it seems like even more of an issue now. If they're going to have uh, Boris hmm. and Rhys Mogg at the top of their party, I think that they're becoming even less appealing to to young people. Yes, I would agree. I just do. I mean, George Freeman, who's desperately trying to to give the Tories some kind of rebrand to make them more appealing to young people. Brandon Lewis is very locked into that as well. Yeah. They must just have their heads in their hands at the thought of Rhys Mogg getting a, a, yes. a top-table job because it would it would be the end of anyone under about 50. It would, yeah. Um, any of those swing voters, at least, choosing the, to vote Tory. The only con- strong connection, I think, that Boris and Rhys Mogg have got with the youth is is if... It's it's if the you if they suddenly put bagpuss back on kids TV ah. because when I see when I see bagpuss now I just see Boris Johnson as bagpuss yeah there is Rhys Mogg Professor Yaffle yeah and they're conspiring against Theresa May who obviously is Madeline the Ragdoll yes 
Yes. And that only leaves You Gove. should be a political cartoonist. Yeah, absolutely. And that only leaves Gove as, as Gabriel the Toad, doesn't it? <laughs> strumming his little banjo. Nigel Farage is obviously Gabriel the, the Toad. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know who, who Gove is. Is he one of the mice on the mouse organ? Maybe. Or is he just Pob, who he does resemble, doesn't he? But that's he a does. different thing. It's slightly different era. Children's yeah. TV had gone a bit anarchic by then, hadn't it? The Tories... The youth brand is really exciting to me. Yo, we're the Tories. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Groovy. Nosing around with the Tories. <laughs> it would be brilliant, wouldn't it? The Tories, when they start spelling it with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> like rapping party political broadcasts. That would be great. Well, it's fascinating because... I've just How do you done, do, fellow kids? Listen, I've just done, a, I've just done a, a, a really fascinating interview with friend of the pod, yes. Clive Lewis, okay. who came on. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and find it. It's very good. Um, he manages to be a, a Corbynister. Yeah. And he's back on the, on the Labour front bench yeah, now. He's back in. And he manages to be very much anti-Brexit, very much a Remainer. And he was talking about a, an instance the other week where he was with Jeremy and some grime artists oh, came yeah. up and were like, you know, like grime for Stormzy. Corbyn thing. I'm not sure it was Stormzy, but, um, you know, they, they, they love him. Yeah. And the reason is, according to Clive, is because he, he's looking out for the people who are a bit downtrodden, those people yeah. who feel they've got a bad deal. Who the Tories got? Vince Hill? I mean... Jimmy Talbot? Yeah. It, it, there's there's not... De Paul. You can't imagine... Grime is still... I know it's getting into the mainstream a little bit yeah. now, and I'm no, no expert on grime. No, This is for another pod, the grime, grime podcast. The grime podcast. <laughs> for our grime roundup. But isn't it extraordinary that, that that very, you know, I mean, it's a big deal for a certain person of a certain age, but really in the well, wider grime. public knowledge, it is, it's pretty, pretty unknown, yeah. I would suggest, yeah, yeah. that they have connected with this elderly... Yes. White. Yes. Granddad. Yeah. Sort of figure. Yeah. Who's got a lot? Who's got a, li- a lifetime in politics behind him? Yeah. And um, but they love him to bits. The Tories have not got anyone at all like that. No. Not one person. I think they make the mistake of thinking that Jacob Rees-Mogg is like that because numerous right-wing fanatical young people think that he is some kind of guru. Yeah. Yeah. genius, but, but it, he will not play well. No, no. The, I just the, don't think he will wider. He just he, they haven't. They they need what they need is a massive policy for the youth. Yeah, we no, were told it, we were wrong. It's going to be a massive. It's going to there's going to be a massive announcement on tuition fees, and we all thought, oh, they're going to they're going to scrap them. This yes. is a massive massive thing. This was a conference, wasn't yes. it? It was a conference, and they didn't do it. It was a rubbish story. It was a piddling way to start. Um, start a conference week, frankly. But th- they need a big policy like that. They They're going to have to rely on policies. And that's not a policy that Jacob Rees-Mogg, Boris Johnson or Michael Gove is going to offer. No, of course not. So the dream team... The dream team. Quick way for a Labour government, I would suggest. Yes, let's bring it on. Yeah. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. And... Finally, we can have some laughs. It's been a bit. It's been a bit heavy this week, hasn't it, with the dream team and has, impact, yeah, statements. impact statements. So, tell me about the biggest wallies of the week, please. The Brexiteers of the week. So, let's let's talk first about John Rhys Evans. Um, he is a failed UKIP leadership 
candidate. Yeah. He's now out of UKIP. Yeah. He started a new party. He yeah. actually started a different party, know, didn't he? This is his second attempt at starting a new party. John Rees Evans, in the UKIP leadership campaign, the, the one that was won by uh, Henry Bolton, who we'll come to in a minute, um, his big idea was that he was going to start a social media network for, for kippers, which I think he should have called Racebook. But anyway, <laughs> he's got a new party. It's called Democrats and Veterans. And what is the symbol of the Democratic Party in the, in the US of A? What is it? Donkey. A donkey. So what has John Rees Evans put? On his his uh, on on his new logo for the Democrats and veterans, it's a donkey. It's a clever one because it's carrying a flag. It's carrying, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's got opposable uh, thumbs, which is good. But he's got a don- he's put a donkey on it. Yep. And this is problematic for John Rees Evans, isn't it? It is rather because John Rees Evans is the man who once asserted that he had to prevent a gay donkey from sexually assaulting his horse. Yeah. He said uh, a few years ago now, I've got a horse. It was in the fields, a donkey came up, uh, and it, I'm afraid it tried to rape my horse. The horse bit the side of the donkey, and I had to give my horse a slap to protect the donkey. So The story never mind, gets old. It'll never, it never gets old. It's brilliant. Well, I've joined uh, the Democrats yeah, and I'm Veterans. In it, I'm in it too. It says, we serve. We serve. Uh, Joe Marnie. Ah, the lovely Joe, Joe Marnie. Marnie. Rhymes with Pakistani, if you're from the from the East End. But there you go. It does. Um, she wouldn't like Cheddar Man, would she? Joe Marnie, I'm sure she was disappointed. There's one elderly figure that she, Joe Marnie won't be fancying. Anyway, um, Joe Marnie is back and tweeting, which is which is great news, for, is for, news. For, for the likes of me when I'm trying to compile these lists. She uh, she she tweeted about her on off. And Al's boyfriend Henry Bolton yeah. this week, and she said she tweeted, "Everybody knows him. Everybody wants him on their shows. Everyone wants to photograph him." HB, H, oh yeah, HB. Yeah, yeah. He now has the world at his feet. He does. Now, yeah. I'm sure he's got something at his feet, but it's not the world. Anyway, more Henry Bolton. Um, He's had to rewrite his LinkedIn account. Did you see this? No, I didn't see this. He claimed in on his LinkedIn that he had a BA in BA degree in military studies from Sandhurst, which is the military academy. Right. It, Sandhurst doesn't give out BAs <laughs> no. for a start. And then he had another BA in leadership and management from City and Guilds, which also doesn't give out BAs. He had an he's got an MVQ in that. He obviously doesn't understand what BA stands for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, we went to the bar there, maybe. maybe he's <laughs> anyway, um, th- this sort of thing would never have happened in my day, said Paul Muttall, <laughs> uh, who it was, uh, he was talking while showing off his World Cup winner's medal to astronauts, his fellow astronauts on the International Space Station. Um, Leo McKinstry, should we talk about him, the Go Dalek of Brexit? Yeah, yeah. I've not seen the Dalek for a while, um, but Leo McKinstry's latest Daily Express column is a thing of beauty. It says the we should all not worry about the Brexit impact assessment papers because uh, they're politically motivated and it's meaningless to make any predictions. And I agree that it's meaningless to make any predictions. Yeah. And I've got an example here of a really meaningless prediction. Yeah. Uh, and this was actually in the Express um, in May, last May. And it said, Theresa May's resilient leadership is the rocket fuel that is powering the Conservative revival... She is a superb political strategist Absolutely. with a streak of ruthlessness. Oh. 
combined with a sense of how events will unfold, yep. and she is heading for a thumping majority thumping. next month. And that prediction, a meaningless prediction, was written by Leo McKinstry. So there ah. we go. Uh, now, shall we talk about Godfrey Bloom? Oh, I love Godfrey. The king of Bongo Bongo Land. I love Godfrey. He's back. And it's that special time of year, isn't it, when the far right, people who are, like think the way that Godfrey Bloom thinks, they like to pretend that, that the word Easter is disappearing from the packaging yeah. of Easter eggs yeah. because to, to appease these you know, ravening Muslim I am going to have to bleep out Easter. Yeah, it's defensive to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's, so they like to pretend that Easter is not, no longer featured on the front of Easter egg boxes to appease Muslims and not because somebody has gone, hey, if we still have <laughs> these on sale the day after Easter, people aren't going to buy them, so shall we just put Easter on the back? And it's on the back of all the packages and not the front. He tweeted, Godfrey Bloom, if it be true, who talks like that? <laughs> if it be true that Cadbury's is removing Easter from its chocolate eggs, may I suggest Thornton's for your Easter eggs? It's a proper British company with old-fashioned family values, and that is characteristically great research from Godfrey Bloom because Thornton's was sold to the Italian company Ferrero Spa in 2015. Nigel Farage, he's a f- idiot. He is. He's not the Brexiteer of the week, though. What? He um, slipped a place. He slipped one place down. Uh, the nicotine-stained man-frog, he, first of all, he's been on Fox & Friends talking about, which is it's on Fox News, uh, the home of fake news. He's talking about a crisis in the NHS that's been driven by immigrants. That inspired his gold lift chum, Donald Trump, uh, to uh, tweet about how terrible the NHS was in Britain. Just when everything was calming down, he had a couple of state visits planned, a couple of visits planned, didn't he? Mm. Uh, a state visit back on the agenda, it seemed, all last week, and now uh, everybody up in arms with Donald Trump and telling him he's completely wrong about the NHS. So well done, Nigel. Um, did you see Nigel Farage arriving in Dublin for a speech on Erexit? Um, <laughs> Gotta be careful with that one. Yeah, you have. Yeah, I didn't see that. Uh, he arrived and uh, it was very good. He, he got out of the car and somebody shouted out, "Go back to where you came from." <laughs> <laughs> um, he was making a speech about how Ireland should um, do what England, yeah. Britain did, and get out of the. Uh, it's working. It's, the work, it's looking really good for us, so I would go for it. it. It is. Yeah, that's right. And and he told RTE that there was now a public appetite for Ireland to pull out of the EU, he said, there are voices saying the Brits are right about this, and he's completely right, because the last poll that was taken in Ireland on this subject, uh, a massive 12% of um, respondents backed uh, leaving the EU, and just the 88% wanted to remain. So he's completely right, he's detected it again. But the Brexiteer of the week is Boris Johnson, and for all the reasons that we've sort of mentioned before, uh, he looks like Bagpuss. He's not very good at his job. But I was really struck by this story that researchers in Switzerland have discovered that Boris Johnson is the great-great-great-great-great-grandson of an 18th-century woman whose syphilis-ridden mummy has been found buried under a church in Basel. Wow. And it's humiliating. Does she look like him? Well, I don't know, yeah. It's humiliating. I've got a quote here. It's humiliating to find out you're related to somebody with such a notorious past said the syphilitic <laughs> woman, which is, I've put in 
the column this week just to prove that I can write a joke that would get on a poor um, Radio 4 uh, news show, new, news humour show. So Boris Johnson is the Brexiteer of the Week. Congratulations, Boris. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, run out and grab the paper. It's £2.50. It's got lots of politics and lots of Brexit, but it's also got lots of great culture in there as well. Until next week, Mr Campbell, play us out. Jerry. Speaking. <laughs> it's Richard. I wasn't expecting you to pick up. <laughs> we were going to ring you and put you on the pod, but we've done the pod now. Oh, I see. So we were just going to put your answering machine on the end of the pod, but as soon as we've got you, you might as well say hello to the listeners. All oh, right, bye. <laughs> How's your trip to Spain? <laughs> oh, that was strange. <laughs> we'll leave you to it, Jerry. Have a nice time. Bye.